Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Matthew, chapter 27. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Matthew chapter 27, and we'll, we'll get there in just a second, but, but listen to this story. It's a, a story about a man named Bill, a man named Bill. And, and Bill has wild hair. Bill wears T-shirts with holes in it, jeans and no shoes. This was literally Bill's wardrobe for four years of college. Bill is brilliant, kind of esoteric, kind of you know, smart guy, very, very bright. And he became a Christian while attending college. Well, across the street from the campus is a well-dressed, very conservative church. They wanted to develop a ministry to the students, but wasn't sure about how to go about it. And so one bright Sunday morning, Bill decides to go to church. He walks in with no shoes, jeans, his T-shirt, wild hair. The service had already begun, so Bill starts down the aisle looking for a seat. The church is completely packed, and he can't find a seat. Well, by now, people are looking a bit uncomfortable, but no one says anything. Bill gets closer and closer and closer to the pulpit. And when he realizes there's no seats, he just squats down on the carpet right in front of the pulpit area. Now, although perfectly acceptable and understandable at a college fellowship, trust me, this had never happened in this church before. Well, by now, the people are getting really uptight and the tension in the air is thick. About this time, the minister realizes a deacon moves forward from way back of the church, and he's moving up toward Bill. The deacon is in his 80s. He's got silver hair, three-piece suit, very stately, godly, very elegant, dignified man, pocket in his, you know, watch in his pocket. And with his cane, he starts walking toward Bill, and everyone is saying to themselves, You can't blame him for what he's about to do. How can you expect a man of his age and of his background to understand some college kid on the floor? Well, it takes a long time for the man to reach the boy. The church is utterly silent, except for the clicking of the man's cane. All eyes are focused on him. You can't even hear anyone breathing. Well, the minister, pastor, can't even preach a sermon until the deacon does what he has to do. Well, the elderly man reaches Bill. He drops his cane on the floor. With great difficulty, he lowers himself, and he sits down right next to Bill, and he worships with him so he won't be alone. Well, the minister and everyone is all choked up and emotional. As the minister wiped the tears from his eyes and he gains control of himself, he says, what I'm about to preach, you will never remember What you have just seen, you will never forget. I think it was Pastor Johnny some time ago had mentioned that uh, 
as he was filling in for me in the pulpit, he mentioned that you may hear a lot of sermons of which you will forget, but you will never forget a sermon that you see. And and isn't that very true? When you see a sermon, you don't forget it. And you hear a lot of great sermons here at Calvary Chapel. (laughs) No, that was tacky. Don't don't clap. Really, really, that was tacky. Don't clap. No, no. (laughs) But you really will never, ever forget a sermon that you see. This morning we come to, I think in my opinion, a sermon that we, that, that we see, and a sermon that we will never forget. Here in Matthew chapter 27, beginning in verse 27, you know, I kind of like to title this, you know, the, the, the turning point of mankind, the, the, the hinge of all of history, because this morning we really are going to talk about my favorite subject, and that's Jesus Christ, of course, and specifically we're going to talk about the crucifixion of Christ, and we're going to see this morning as we sing that song, you know, Amazing Love, How Can This Be That a King Would Die For Me? This morning we're going to see Amazing Love in action. We're going to see a sermon that, that, that's preached in the life of our Lord as he hangs from Calvary's tree. If you're taking notes, I've got a simple, quick little outline for you. You know I encourage you to take notes. And I want to talk to you about what Jesus didn't do by going to the cross. You know, we talk about what he did when he went to the cross, and we talk quite a bit about that around here at Calvary Chapel. But this morning, I want to talk to you about what Jesus didn't do on the cross. Number one, if you're taking notes, Jesus didn't retaliate. Jesus did not retaliate. And you'll find that in verses actually 27 through 31. Oh, it's up there, 27 through 31. And then Jesus didn't, point number two, he didn't take the easy way out. Jesus did not take the easy way out. And you'll find that in verses 32 through 37. And then the last part of our outline we'll talk about this morning. Jesus didn't come down from the cross. He didn't retaliate. He didn't take the easy way out. And Jesus didn't come down from the cross. We'll pick up our sermon in Matthew chapter 27, and we'll pick up in verse 27. Look at it, saints. If you're with me, say amen. Amen. Well, that wasn't enough of y'all. Matthew 27, verse 27. If you're with me, say amen. Amen. That's better. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the praetorium, circle that, and he gathered the whole garrison around him. And then notice these verses. And they stripped him, and they put a scarlet robe on him. And when they had twisted a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and a reed in his right hand. And they bowed the knee before him, and they mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And this is amazing. They spat on him. They took the reed and they struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they took the robe off him and put his clothes on him and led him away to be what, saints? To be crucified. Point number one, he didn't retaliate. Now, if you've been with us, stop right there. Give me your attention. If you have been with us, you know that Jesus, so far we've looked at three trials or three court scenes with Jesus. Number one, first of all, the first trial was before Annas, the father-in-law of Caiaphas, the high priest. 
We talked about that in previous studies. If you weren't with us, you can pick up a CD copy of these sermons. But Jesus was standing before Annas, first of all, the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who's the high priest. And then in the second trial, Jesus was brought before the chief priest and the elders. And then thirdly, we talked about this last week, they bound Jesus' hands. Remember I told you that the rope did not keep him bound. If you understand that, say amen. Amen. The rope didn't keep him bound. You know what kept Jesus bound as they led him to Pilate? Love. You know what kept Jesus bound as they led him to Pilate? Obedience to the Father. Jesus could have snapped those ropes just like that. Jesus could have looked at those ropes and burned right through them. X-ray vision. Like Superman, burn them away. He could have done whatever. He could have just thought it. Ropes be gone. And he would have been. Had you ever thought about that? But he didn't. He love bound him. He loved who? Us. And that's why he remained bound as they led him to Pilate. We talked about that last week. And Pilate questioned Jesus. Jesus refused to answer. Pilate asked the crowd, who should he let go? Jesus or Barabbas? They said who? Barabbas. Remember Barabbas, his name means what? Son of the father. Bar, son. Abba, father. Barabbas' name means son of the father. And Pilate comes out and says, who should I let go, Jesus or the son of the father, Barabbas? And the people said, let go, Barabbas. And Pilate said, why? What has he done? And the crowd said, crucify him. Did you notice they didn't even answer him? This crowd mob mentality. The crowd said, crucify him. And then Pilate asked the question that we all must answer. What shall I do with Jesus who is called the Christ? And the crowd said, crucify him. Interesting that Pilate had to make a choice between conscience and convenience, the right way or the wrong way, the voice of the crowd or the voice of the Lord. And what did he do? He listened to the crowd and they chose the man of blood, Barabbas, instead of the prince of peace. They chose the one who took lives over the giver of life. Think about that. The giver of life, Jesus, is sentenced to death and the murderer goes free. And Jesus is sentenced to die on an old, rugged cross. Now, in the culture that we live in, it is very difficult for us to wrap our minds around this whole concept of the cross. Because in our culture, the cross that we bear is usually diamond-studded. The cross that we bear is gold and nice and neat, and everyone wears a cross in our culture. It doesn't make you a Christian just because you wear a cross. Everyone wears a cross. Watching the news or TV the other day, and Britney Spears was wearing a cross. Now, I'm sorry if you like Britney Spears. I pray for you. 50 Cent. He had a huge bling bling cross on <laughs> I was like, how do you even hold your neck up with that thing? I mean, I'd be like this. I get, you know, huge. Just because you wear a cross doesn't make you a Christian. So it's really difficult in our culture to really wrap our minds around the cross. In Jesus' day, let me tell you something. The cross was the cruelest method of torture. The cross was the instrument of suffering, trial, pain, embarrassment, humiliation. The cross in Jesus' day spoke of death. 
If you wanted to wear the equivalent of a cross today as it represented in Jesus' day, you would have to get yourself a diamond-studded electric chair and hang that around your neck. Wouldn't that be weird? Somebody walks up, oh, that is a beautiful electric chair. (laughs) Never seen anything like it. Wow. Or a noose. Or a gas chamber or some sort. That's kind of what it represented in those days. The cross of Jesus Christ. Now from time to time, people, as a matter of fact, just last week someone asked me about this. A, a, a guy came and he asked me, he said, um, he said, Pastor Ronnie, he says, you know, I enjoyed the service and whatever, but, but, but how come you guys don't have a cross here? You know, I don't notice, I haven't noticed a cross in the sanctuary. I haven't noticed a cross hanging on the walls at the church. And then what's that thing behind your head? What, 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 what is that? Is that Christian? You know, what's up with this Calvary dove? What's up with the dove? I mean, Calvary Chapel, they've got this dove. What's up with the dove? Is that spiritual? Is that Christian? And I go, no. I mean, you know what? Listen, listen, that, that's just a piece of, actually, you know, it's plastic. It actually is like PVC, if you really want to know what it's made of. I mean, it's not solid gold, and, and it's just plastic. But let me tell you something. We, the reason why we don't have a cross here, because we don't really, we, we don't put our faith in the cross. We put our faith in the fact that Jesus died on the cross. Saints, do you understand? You see, the fact is, you see, we love, here you go, here you go, simple put. We love the fact of the cross, not the symbol of the cross. Let me help you understand something. The cross never saved anyone. The cross never saved anybody, not the the wood. Because remember, we'll see it a little bit later, two thieves were hanging on a cross too. They didn't save anybody. The cross doesn't save. The Bible's clear, Jesus saves. The cross was just the method by which God the Father allowed his son to die for the sins of the world. So we love the fact of the cross, not the symbol of the cross. And personally, I would rather have the substance over the symbol. Because we go places, and you have gone places, and I have, where there has been plenty of symbols. I come from a Catholic background, now hear me. I come from a Catholic background, and as soon as you pull up to the parking lot, there is symbols all over the place. When you walk in, you need to genuflect. And remember, you remember genuflect, you guys? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Say amen if y'all awake. All right, good. You know, when you had to do the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, get holy water, and do there's symbols everywhere. But what we want is, and what Jesus wants us to have and to focus on is not the symbols, but the substance. It's not about the cross. It's about Jesus Christ who hung on the cross. The point is Jesus died on the cross. Now, here's a little bit of history about the cross. I don't know if you know this, but the cross or crucifixion was invented by the Persians, not by the Jews. The Persians invented it because they believed that the earth was sacred. Much like New Age, New Agers believe, you know, one planet, one people, earth is sacred. The Persians believe the earth was so sacred that in order not to defile it, you would place a person on the cross to die by lifting him up off the ground so his body wouldn't expire in the ground. That's the history of the cross. Now, the Bible doesn't give us much detail actually about the crucifixion. 
Because the crucifixion and the cross was such a common thing in the early first centuries. It was a very, very common thing. We learn about crucifixion and we learn about the cross actually from Roman history. Roman history gives us graphic details. Now, if you've seen the movie The Passion of the Christ, raise your hand. Good, that's many of you, so I don't need to take the time to belabor these points, but simply this, as they would put someone on a cross, they would actually take their hand and stretch it out. You saw it in the movie. And they would take a large spike, and they would drive that spike between two bones in the wrist. Now, when the Bible says the spike went into his hands, in the biblical days, the hand was considered everything from the elbow to the fingertips. They did not actually put the spikes in Jesus' hand because it would not hold him up. But they put the spike between his wrist, between a bone here nearest to the pulse. They would drive the spike in and then they would take his knees and bend them at an angle. And, and, and a spike was then pounded through both feet. And then the cross was lifted up and dropped in a hole in the ground. Now think about how painful that is. To lift him up and then drop it in the ground. How painful is that? Well, then history tells us that during the Roman days and the Roman era, that the Romans, get this, they, they, they crucified as many as 30,000 Jewish people were crucified at the hands of Rome. 30,000 people. But isn't it interesting, of the 30,000 people crucified on the cross by the hands of Rome, only one of them is remembered in all of history. Shouldn't that tell us something? Only one, and that would be Jesus. Why? Because he was different from all the others. Because he didn't deserve to die a death on the cross. He was innocent of all charges. He was sinless and perfect. He was the son of God. Jesus died on the cross to purchase the salvation for all people. Well, the Bible says that Jesus died that we might live. He died that we might live. Amen, saints? You see, so Jesus is, and Jesus alone is, of all these 30,000 people, all of history has been changed because of one man. Now, there's a verse in John chapter 2, verse 12. And I'm sure you've heard it. Look it up in your own time. But, but I'm sure you've heard this verse. It says, if I be lifted up, if you know the verse, say it with me. If I be lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. Many, many people, that verse is used very often. Many, many people misquote that verse. And whenever I hear that verse misquoted, it drives me bananas. Because many people use that verse and they'll say, well, we need to lift Jesus up. We need to lift him up higher. Come on, saints, let's lift the Lord up. Let's give him some praise. Let's give him higher and higher and higher praise because the Bible says if we lift him up, he will draw men unto us. So let's lift him up in praise and in worship. Listen, I do believe that Jesus needs to be, should be, and God's people should lift him up in praise and worship. If you agree with that, say amen. amen. There's no question about that. But that is not what that verse is teaching. That verse is talking about if Jesus is lifted up on the cross, dying for the sins of the world, it's by this act of dying on the cross that all men will be drawn to him. You understand that? It's by Jesus being lifted up on the cross and dying for the sins of the world that when people look to the cross, 
They will see Jesus, that he died for them, and they will be drawn to him by that. Remember Jesus said in John chapter 3, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. Jesus said that. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, as Moses lifted up that serpent, and the people were being bitten by snakes, and they were dying. And Moses said, if you will by faith look up to that brass serpent and by faith put your faith, just look at, look at that brass serpent, you will be saved. Jesus says, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto myself. In other words, if men will look at Jesus by faith on the cross and put their faith in him, they will be saved. That verse is talking about the salvation of souls. Well, notice in verse 27, in chapter 27, notice the soldiers took Jesus into the praetorium. Now, if you're taking notes, the praetorium was Pilate's headquarters in Jerusalem, and the Roman guard or the Roman army was stationed there as well. They were actually stationed in an area known as the Antonio Fortress. And in John chapter 18, verse 28, it tells us, that the Jews wouldn't go inside, the Jewish elders and religious people, they wouldn't go inside the praetorium because they did not want to be defiled because there were Jewish Roman soldiers there. And they didn't want to be defiled. I find that interesting because here they are not wanting, that's why Pilate had to come out to them. Now here they are not wanting to go into the praetorium because they did not want to be defiled, but yet outside they are crucifying the Lamb of God. Isn't that an amazing thing? They're, they're crucifying the Lamb of God, and yet they won't go inside because they don't want to, you know, you know go near the, the, the Roman soldiers like, like they're going to get Gentile cooties or something like that, you know? Interesting how religious people are. Religious folks, so petty. And so it's in this area that a bunch of soldiers decide to play, as we read it in our text, they decide to play a game of comic king. And for them it's all in the day's work as they begin to mock and pay homage to the king. And notice in verse 28 in your Bibles, look at verse 28. If you're there, say amen. amen. Notice they stripped him and they put a scarlet robe on him. Did you notice that? Remember Jesus had already been scourged. Think about that. Beaten with the cat of nine tails. His skin is raw. He's hamburger meat. Isaiah told us that he has no form, no comeliness that we should desire, desire him. So he's, his skin is peeling off and he's lacerated and, and beaten and bloody beyond all recognition. And it's at this point that they take off his clothes that are left on him and they put on him a scarlet robe. How painful is that? That's almost like putting salt in a wound. Because, you know, when you, you ever have a bad abrasion, a really, really bad abrasion, you don't want to put anything on it. Look, don't come near me. Well, they took a scarlet robe and they put it on Jesus. And then notice they twisted a crown of thorns and they jammed it on his head. And this was no doubt to mock the crown worn by a real king. Genesis chapter 3, verse 17, for you Bible students, it says this, Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles 
it shall bring forth for you. So we learn from Genesis chapter 3 that part of the curse, listen at this, part of the curse when Adam fell was thorns and thistles. Here we have Jesus crowned with the curse of the earth. They took the, this mock scepter out of his hands and they beat the thorns into his skull. Now, here I want to show you something. Wait a minute, I got to be very careful. I want to show you something here. Here is a real crown of thorns. When we purchase this in the box, it's actually covered in like a, a lacquer or something like that just to maintain it and keep it. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.